So, today we thought we would talk to each other and to you guys about miscarriage. Something so many people go through and um, we had four miscarriages between us. Yeah, I had two. <laughs> you had no. Yeah, we did. When we counted it's so them dark. Up, He'd no, joke no, about that. But when we were counting them up, I was quite shocked by how many mm. you had and we went through. I do hate that thing when men say we had the baby. That's the only reason I kind of yeah. made a joke of that. <laughs> so let's t- talk about the first one. Um, do you remember we were in Cornwall and I we were so excited? So much. It was our first sort of naughty weekend away, wasn't it? Yeah. And we'd only known each other for about a week. Oh, joke. shut up. <laughs> We'd been together, we hadn't been together long and discovered I was pregnant and we were both absolutely thrilled to bits. Mm. We were in Cornwall and it mm. was so romantic, wasn't it? St Maudwin, I think. And it's like you always say, from the second you know you're pregnant, you start making plans. Yeah. You see that whole life. Let's be quiet. Oh, sweetheart. No, it's like... So it doesn't really matter whether you've known for a day or a week or four weeks or eight weeks or 12. Oh, how far along were you? It doesn't make any difference. Because from that second you know, that second you see the blue line, you're planning. You can see their face. You can see their smile. You can you start worrying about where, how they're going to go to school and what holidays are going to be like. And will you ever sleep again? That all happens from day one. And that's why I am such an advocate for telling Everyone from the second you're pregnant. Oh, right. Because I think if we'd kept it a secret mm. for three months and then we told everybody, oh, well, we were pregnant, but now we're not, we've lost it, we wouldn't have got that support and that grief because all our friends and family were grief-stricken for us. But um, So why do people suggest, do you think, the 12-week thing? I mean, It's a superstition that even if you say it before, you could lose it. It's an old superstition, that's all it is. And why 12 weeks? Because 12 weeks, if you get to 12 weeks, you're usually all right. Miscarriage usually happens before 12 weeks. So, I mean, of course, it was strange, just the very concept of you being pregnant that first time for me, because, of course, I had two children Mm. previously. And so for me, likewise, in a very different way, this was was feeling like the beginning of a family I had failed to either hold on to or achieve or whatever beforehand. So you're right, you do. We did invest the moment with a huge amount of... Oh, God, it was huge. I mean, I've got a terrible memory. You've got a terrible memory from these things. I can't remember how far we were when we had the miscarriage, maybe six, eight weeks, I don't know. I can't remember now, but I was was devastated. And Mm. I immediately felt, like, panic-stricken because I felt, oh, my God, what if I'm... And that actual old-fashioned word came into my head, barren. What if Mm. I'm barren now and I can't have a baby and... And then we kept, we were trying for a while afterwards, and I remember us, we were in a baby shop, and we were buying a baby grow for somebody else, and you said really casually, with no meanness or cruelty or anything meant whatsoever, it was just a <laughs> thought, and it just came out of your mouth. And I had my back to you, because I was looking at something, and you said... Oh, no. No, you didn't mean it, it wasn't nasty. You said... You're just imagine- 
imagine if we never actually, if you actually can't have children. Oh my God, that was highly sensitive. No, no, but you didn't oh mean, you did, it was just a thought. So sorry. No, it was just a thought that came out. And I remember I had my back to you and I just like feeling like I'd been stabbed with this absolute terror. And I just stood frozen. I was just like, gather yourself, gather yourself, gather yourself. And I just didn't want to show that I'd... It's like, yeah, and then I managed to get this... I must, yeah. have, I must have said it from a position of absolutely assuming we could, because yeah. you were. Yeah. So, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see you as that much older. I mean, how old were we when we... when that, I was 30, 30 when we met. I was, God, 30. I was 30. I was 38. Six. No, 36. 36 or 37. You're six, seven years older. Well, no, because I had Maddie when I was 38. You didn't. I did. 38. It must have been 37. I must have been 37, I yeah. think. Yeah. No, no, but I... No, no. Oh, I, I, I can see why you've misunderstood that. I was... I didn't think you were saying it because I was too old. I just thought you were just saying it. What if you can't have children? Oh, I see. Oh, right. Just as a sort of generic, maybe you can't have kids. But and even though course, you were pregnant at that point. Oh, Mark, I'm talking about after the miscarriage. Oh, sorry. I thought when we were walking around the shop, you said we were walking around a shop. and Buying baby clothes for somebody else. Oh, see, after the miscarriage. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's a hideously insensitive thing for me to have said. No, but it was quite a while after the miscarriage. You didn't really mean it. There was a little bit of fear in you. You were just kind of sharing oh, something. Right. You, honestly, darling, I didn't think badly of you when you said it, and I never have since because you didn't mean it. <laughs> but, of course... I had had a termination years before. Mm. And I think, you know, all that guilt came up and I thought, I was thinking, is this a punishment? And and actually with each subsequent miscarriage, I felt that. I felt like it was a punishment. Yeah. I mean, obviously it wasn't with you when I had the termination. I mean, I do, but, I do um, remember, although we had told people, I remember we hadn't told Izzy the first time. She'd be, you know, there were, there, I think, I don't think... We had told Izzy. Well, and she, so she knew that you miscarried? Yeah. They knew each time you miscarried. Wow. So, then we got pregnant with Maddie. Amazing, you did get pregnant given how much I was drinking and you were drinking. Well, don't you see, oh that's another thing God. that makes me feel guilty. Really? Mm. Oh, no. Because I think... It would have Those been were early Daniels. days. Yeah. Could have been. Yeah. Anyway, there's no, there's so much guilt for every single thing we do. But then obviously Maddie came. Then Maddie came. But and, and how much? I'm trying to remember when when you were pregnant with Maddie. Yeah, there would have been a sort of shrill sound in the background as to whether we would miscarry again or. Well, I did a lot of research on it, and Rachel, our homeopath, and. You just offered research that so many people will have a miscarriage the first time they're pregnant. Lots mm. of people don't even know. Right. So they have a miscarriage because apparently the womb is just practicing. Yes. And and my mum's convinced she had a miscarriage before Dina as well. I think yeah. a lot of people you talk to will say that. So I managed to convince myself that was just a one off and that will never happen again. Then of course we had our darling, darling Maddie. Oh. What's making you sad there? Just. Uh, you know, I can, no. I can enter your shot. Oh, sweetie. Well, she was just so precious, wasn't she? Born mm. on Christmas Day. 
After such a terrible, terrible, terrible labour, terrible mm. survivor of torture. Well, I mean, to the extent without, if we're talking about miscarriages specifically, I remember, I'll never forget the terror of when she came out and didn't make a noise for what seemed like ages mm. in the corner of the room upstairs. And I remember at that point, something landed on me, which was not even close to panic. It was a sort of primal, mm. what on earth do we do in the circumstances that she, she was, doesn't breathe? Yeah, I thought she was dead. And then suddenly that great big elasticated lipped mouth bellowed in a fashion that it bellowed for the next six years. And that moment was... I, I remember us both not breathing until we heard that moment. And you had just delivered in the most stress, it was stressful to you circumstances. That's Sorry, I'm just trying to gather myself. That's okay. Because I did. I, I, when I, I, she landed on the floor, I was so shocked after so many days. And yeah. then she landed on the floor, and I thought, oh my God, she's dead. That's what yes, I thought. So did I. I thought she's dead and I thought I've had the miscarriage and she's dead and I'm just going to have keep having dead babies. That's what I thought. Just after she was born, that's what I thought. I thought, I'm going to keep having dead babies. Oh, my God. <sighs> but anyway. I was about to say, let's move on to a more cheery part of the story, but we're moving to miscarriage number two. <laughs> this was meant to be the happy bit. Maddie arrived. Well, she was Sorry, so. We are scorpions. We are and we very do dark. Have a dark humor. sense of humor. So. Listen, anybody that goes through tough times knows that you laugh and you cry or you go mad. Mm. So, Maddie, beautiful, amazing, gorgeous dream child. Although she did look a bit like an alien when she was first born, she knows that. We have to talk about that. <laughs> um, much loved. Years since the baby had been in the family. It was just amazing mm. times, wasn't it? Mm. But I was so traumatised after the birth, I said, I'll never have another baby again. That's yeah. it, I'm done. But then when she was three, I was hit by a thunderbolt of like, absolutely, I've got to have another baby. Just mm. like this yearning maternal I remember instinct. you kept dragging me upstairs all the time. It was a remarkable month. <laughs> anyway, so got pregnant again. I seem to manage to pull it off every time, don't I? Oh, God, darling, you are being really annoying. Uh, only girls. Yes, you did. So, but where was this? I can't remember in the timeline. What we're looking at? Maddie was three, three and a half. I just realised, I don't think we can talk about all these miscarriages in one podcast because I'm not asking you enough. No, no, as we move along and I'm not fettered by the fog of alcohol because I do remember drinking on that first miscarriage. And I do remember drinking a lot around when we had Maddie because of my own issues with feeling not up to whether I was sufficient to be a good enough parent again and all this kind of mm. stuff. So I had a lot of fear. Of, I mean, we can talk about that maybe another time, but I had a lot of fear around yeah. uh, the emotions that were being thrown up by Maddie, um, given that I had two other children, you know, from previous. And, oh, my God. Could history repeat itself? If you felt like you were going to keep giving birth to dead children, I felt like I was going to keep bringing into the world children that would have an absent father. Mm. And so that was that was a lot of the issues there. So all I'm saying is, is that as I look back on this period, it's kind of interesting to be reminded of the narrative because I do remember very specifically a lot of the emotions around, I think, the last miscarriage that you had. Um, but, there, but, yeah, so it's, I think it's fine you talking about your experiences. 
I think that will resonate mostly for, for the women who are the majority who listen. Mm. But it's also interesting to hear about how it impacts on men. Well, I think, but I'm, I'm saying, I, I think that will kick in a lot more yeah. with the later ones. I mean, because I think, I think we often talk, don't we, about how we want more men to be listening to these yeah, podcasts. Yeah. And thank you for the people that have said, oh, you listen to it, and then you talk to your husband about it afterwards. But I think we talk a lot about miscarriage. I've talked about miscarriage on loose women, and you know, there's mm. a lot, but we don't often talk about how it impacts on a man. But anyway, we can feel our way through. But I think, well, but I think, I think at this stage, I think. It's interesting that I asked the question, what if we can't have kids? I think very much at this stage, I was of the opinion that we were... I mean, as you do when you're young, relative to how old we are now, just keep having babies. I mean, there's, you know... But I think when I, when I was probably saying, what if you couldn't? It was like a really long-distant thought. God, what if we find in like 10, 15 years we haven't been able to have one? Um, I do think there's an element for men of... I mean, I'm not going to name who it was, but I remember a friend of mine who I used to work with, they'll know who they were, was deeply distressed when they lost their baby. I do think, I think men have a nesting instinct and a, and a fathering instinct. You know, I mean, the first, the first port of call is to the woman because, of course, the woman's gone through it. And so you're, you're sort of catering, catering for that. And I think it's kind of right that that yeah. takes priority. It's a physical thing. It's happening in your own no, body, your hormones, everything, you know. That, that, definitely got worse for you, though, through the, the, next, the last miscarriage. Was, but anyway, let's yeah, not jump did. ahead. So then I got pregnant, and then huge excitement. Oh, my God, such massively huge excitement about that. And I was doing uh, City Hospital at the time. I was filming City Hospital yeah. for BBC. And you were away filming. You were on location. You were in this country, but you were on location. You were, because you were doing something for the BBC. You were filming a series for the BBC. Is this the one where I found out via... Yeah. No, but, yeah, I'll tell you what I was shooting. I was, I was on location filming Taste of My Life with Vanessa Redgrave. That's right. Yeah. So I, the show I had to do was really early, early morning. Do you remember? I used to get picked up at like half four in the morning and or something And I remember you weren't feeling too good. And I wasn't feeling good. And I'd called you... And I told you a few days before that I think I'd had a spot of blood, mm-hmm. but then I'd spoken to someone and they said, oh, that sometimes happens. So we were kind of okay about it. Phew, mm-hmm. it's all right. It's not going to be a miscarriage. It stopped bleeding. I hadn't. And then um, I went into work and I started to bleed much more. And because I was in the hospital, I mean, we were doing a live show that day. Because I was in the hospital... They said, go up and have a scan. That's right. And I was sort of half made up, had my makeup for the show, went and had the scan. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. And they said that, um, you know, that there was, she actually said, there's nothing there, there's heartbeats, you know, there's no heartbeat. It was a sack or something. I can't remember what the words were. Something anyway that said it wasn't there. And I was so in shock. And I went and did the whole show Mm. with a miscarriage. Mm. It was a live show. Do you remember? Yeah, remarkable. And because then I went back and then I did rehearsal. So I just sort of stumbled out of this scanner room knowing that I'd had a miscarriage. And I hadn't had a chance to speak to you. And then how you found out was awful. Well, we were setting up for a shoot in somewhere in London. And then I got a phone call from the most senior executive at the mm. BBC 
to tell me that oh Mark and they were being very they were very caring and very because they thought you knew they thought I knew and they said oh Mark I'm so so sorry to hear the news and I we were just waiting for Vanessa Redgrave to arrive <laughs> and uh, you had a whole day filming with and her. she said uh, I said what, what what and then I could hear that she felt really kind of bad that she'd kind of mentioned and she said oh you've not heard I said well, heard what heard what oh god and then she said Nadia's just found out she's miscarried and mm. of course I went into well where is she, she said, because people might think that's really strange how did she know and the reason she knew was she was the boss of the BBC yeah, yeah. and they were worrying that I wasn't going to be able to do the no, show absolutely. so they had to tell her that I might not be able to do the show yeah. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't going to tell you because I knew you were filming all day with Vanessa Redgrave. No, and so I didn't you carried miss- on and did a live show, and then at that point, I looked around my crew, and they were all like, "What's happened?" I went upstairs, was in tears. Uh, I think Liz, who worked for us, came up, or oh, I can't remember who came up, and, um, and they said, "What do you want?" I said, "Well, we can't, can't cancel her. We can't her. cancel her. We, we shot all these films in New York. Nigel Slater was there. You know, we just had a massive." And I remember just having to literally put it on the back burner. Yeah. And then, do, and then do an interview all about being a great mother. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because I think both of us had to freeze our feelings. Mm. Mm. And I think I stayed a bit frozen with that feeling. I had, I, I remember being fearful, but just sort of pushing it down, pushing it down, and mm. not wanting to recognise it, and giving myself all sorts of reasons. And I don't even remember how we... You know, I can't, I can't in any way picture when we met that day and no, what I happened. Can't. I mean, no. it's, it's a blur out. And yeah. it's like they often say with a lot of these traumatic experiences, though, there is a blocking. There's a sort of, you yeah. know, you can not remember things from your childhood precisely because your, your system wants to kind of throw them out. And because I've had, if you like, if I'm just thinking of myself selfishly as a father, because I've had four daughters and I can think of four, think of four occasions where I've positively had children, why not eclipse the horror of each of those situations. I mean, and again, it's easier. I'm not saying anything. Mm. It's easier for a man. Yeah, that, for me, it was that awful thing of knowing the hormones rushing through mm. your body because all the pregnancies, apart from Maddie, I had terrible, blinding headaches. Do you remember? Mm. You probably don't remember. I do. I used to have to tie a tea towel round my head mm. and then get a wooden spoon, put it into the tea towel and turn it like a vice. You to just like get Rambo. any relief from the pain. Because I didn't want to take any painkillers. And those hormonal headaches mm. were sheer hell. Mm. Uh, eventually I used homeopathy for them and it really helped. But I had another pregnancy. And that was quite an early miscarriage. And the reason I knew I had a miscarriage was I had this blinding headache again. And then suddenly, <laughs> gone. And so what is this number? What number is this? Three. Oh, right. Okay. So I've got number four coming. Up on my schedule. Yeah. Number four was just... Yeah. So um, so these blinding headaches that would suddenly drop and then I would bleed and then da-da-da. So then, I don't know if you remember this, I then went to a gynaecologist in Harley Street who did a full-on thing mm. on me. And he said, at your age, because oh, at yes, that I age do. I was 41, something like that, he said, you have a 99% chance of miscarrying with any That's pregnancy right, yeah, you have. Yeah, it's remarkably high. So we just gave up. We yeah, just said, we oh, did. we're not going to have another baby. So then I got pregnant again and the headaches came. Six, eight, nine, ten, 
11 weeks, still haven't had a miscarriage. Mm. And But it was almost like that, wasn't it? Yeah. You were like sort of going, okay, yeah. was, I wasn't, it's coming. I wasn't waiting to have no, a baby, no, no, no. I was waiting to have a miscarriage. Oh no, sorry, we've jumped ahead. We've jumped ahead to, to that's the Kiki story. That's what I thought. Yeah, sorry, jumped ahead. We need to, we're going to scroll you back. I'm not now pregnant with Kiki. I am pregnant again. So we've had the incident where the BBC were involved on both yeah. sides. Yeah, and then I'm pregnant again. And um, it's gone quite far. We were like almost, at, we were at 12 weeks, mm. I think. Yeah. And um, 13, I think. I think it had gone further. Well, something like that. And um, my headache dropped. Bang. Headache gone. I thought, oh my God, here we go again. Miscarried again. And I remember my sister being... I was in a, such a total panic. Total, total panic. And um, my sister took me to the hospital. And... Though I was panicked, it was really strange. I didn't think for a minute that I had miscarried. Mm. I felt, I think because it had gone on so much longer and I just, I felt a presence of something or someone, which I'm now convinced is Kiki. It was Kiki. Trying to come through, anyway. So, um, yeah, that was an awful one, that. Lying on the bed, I was with my sister and... And when they said, no, it's, there's no heartbeat, and my sister was like... Because I was looking into my sister's face, I was holding my sister's hand, and I looked into my sister's face, and I just saw the horror in her face. And then they said I could stay in at the hospital, and I could have um, whatever it is they do, DNC or something, and I, I didn't want to do that. So... I think they gave me some sort of a tablet, I think. I, think I can't did. remember. Yeah. Anyway, I came home. Do you remember all the family were here? We told everyone to go, mm. didn't we? And then we went through... I went through labour. I can only describe it's it as labour. It was horrendous. It's the most horrendous. It was horrendous. Because I had contractions, mm. proper... I was screaming around this house. Mm. Do you remember? Absol the pain just was not stopping. It was just... Horrific, and it went on for hours. And all the family were next door. I remember that because we were going to be having a roast dinner or something. <laughs> Typical me. Anyway, and then do you remember you were on the floor and you were crying? We were I was upstairs on the hall, in the hall upstairs. Yeah, you were like, no, you weren't crying at that point. And then I delivered something, and I remember feeling, and people might find this is really odd. This enormous relief because the pain had stopped. I knew it. This baby was dead, so the pain had stopped, and that's what I was so relieved for. The pain had stopped, so I was almost like, "Oh, thank God!" And I was in a very weird mental state. And then I turned around, and you were absolutely sobbing. But you handed it to me. Yeah. And when you handed it to me, it was it was like just. But I do remember absolutely losing it. It was. So distressing because you could see, I could see the baby, I could see it. Well, the very you know, but I mean, but... It, it, I mean, it's burnt onto my retina. Mm. The shape. Mm. And I know. I remember you being in such floods of pain, and there was a lot of blood, and 
And I just thought, oh my God, I just... Such a terrible feeling of loss, isn't it? Felt it felt like such a wrench, mm. an enormous wrench of its future, your shared future, Maddie's future. Everything felt so like it was made of cut crystal glass. Like it's like in any minute yeah. it's going to be dropped. A whole family. And it had been dropped, but then it made everything else seem so fragile. Yeah. Our whole family, our whole world is I now glass, was... thin glass. Yeah. And I mean, I wasn't drinking at that time, and I remember thinking. Oh, no, you'd given up drinking ages. But I remember at that point it being one of the re- first really, really massive moments of, oh Christ, I want to escape these feelings because this is just yeah. too. And, you know, tied up in all of that was knowing your loss. And because, of course, what you don't realise is that at that stage, all of your hormones, your body was still kind of catering for something that was going to happen. And also to see somebody you love in such yeah, screaming absolutely. physical pain, apart from Just the like, emotional pain. And of course, it's that sort of strangely sort of primal desire that you had to be left on your own. So I remember there being a moment where I was outside the bathroom, you didn't want me anywhere near you, and you were on the loo, and you were in the loo when we had that little partition upstairs in the, in the bathroom. And you were like insistent that I stay away, and I was just... It felt so... I felt so disconnected... Was from I? what was going from what was going on, yeah. What really, did I say not to come in? You, you just wanted me out. You wanted me out of the room. You wanted privacy, and it was like—I'm not saying this using the word in a sort of derogatory fashion—but it was like a beast of nature. You were in a corner, Primal. and you were dealing with it, and you needed to take it out, and you needed to get it out, mm. and you needed to sort of hold it, and then you needed, and you literally handed, it was like you handed it to me. Mm. Oh, babe, it was very sad. It's I just, as I sit here and I feel sad remembering these things, I just, my heart goes out to people that don't have a baby, you know. Some people go through this over and over again and don't have a baby, and we, you know, we've got two daughters, and I just can't imagine, because I do say that the girls have healed it for me. Mm. They've healed it. I like to think that it was just Kiki trying to get through. That's why, whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. It's just my way of dealing with it, but... Yeah, primal was the right word. Right back down to the earth of Mm -hmm. just... And you want to do everything to stop it, but you know you can't, and so you've just got to get it out. And you almost, just because you're thinking, and this might sound awful, you just want to try again. That's how you feel. Mm. I need to try again because I must have this baby. I must have this baby. I need another baby. And that, and I feel guilty even saying that because I already had Maddie, but a primal maternal instinct mm. is what it is. And it doesn't have... It doesn't, it's not politically correct. No. It doesn't know what's no. the right way to behave. It's no. just there. And, and that, I think that's really important. I think there's a lot of judgments made around certain physical maternal... I would also argue paternal instincts that are often, you know, society tries to pressurise us into sanitising those emotions and being really rational and kind of reasonable about them all in that sort of middle-class way. Sometimes you can't be. No. Sometimes it's about, actually, it's an animal instinct to Mm. want to have, to nurture, to be, to, to, to hold, to look after. And I remember after that very much, there was a sort of deep process of, we kind of kept, you kept... Well, then we had the awful... Oh, God, when I think about this. And I spoke about this on Loose Women and I was just overwhelmed with how much, how many people got in touch with me. But 
because I didn't know what to do with the yeah. baby, with the, the fetus, with the thing. We didn't know what to call it, what it was. I put it in a packed lunchbox and put it in the freezer. Yeah, I remember. And because what was I supposed to do? Flush it down the toilet? Mm. Bury it? That mm. seemed almost dramatic, almost... So I put it in the freezer and I have never asked you what you thought of that. It was a little bit disturbing because it was alongside a frozen guinea pig in the actual freezer. So there was this strange moment where you had this fridge and within it there was something of such magnitude and significance and importance to us. And yet we, we were preserving a dead animal for one of our for our so it was kind of it was strange and it was and yet it seemed strangely peaceful keeping it close to us there was some there was yeah. some kind of comfort that I felt in keeping it in the family did you tell your mum and stuff did they know I'd put it in the freezer no I think I told my family I think your your sister knew, and of course we yeah. then we then I thought I had I, I I remember it being a very cathartic process of months to, later, months and yeah, months, months, maybe later. six months later. But I do think that I mean there's something similar going on at the moment with my nan's um, act. Six months later, what? Because we haven't said what. I'd be wondering what. What? Well, six months later, we did have a ceremony of, mm. of burying it. Yeah, um, and we and uh, my sister organised it all. She did it so beautifully. Yeah, she. she did. She did a beautiful box, didn't Which you? Which Maddie put... and Izzy decorated. Yeah, and then she got a lovely tree. Cherry tree. A cherry tree. And planted it under the cherry tree. And then we all wrote messages and hung it on the tree. Yeah. I thought it was beautiful. It was beautiful. And it was really... My sister was very kind to do all that. And it was a very... <sighs> cathartic process. And I remember... I vividly remember Maddie with her funny little, you know, how she'd just be sort of up for whatever was going on. And she, I remember her holding and kind of not really gathering and looking around and thinking, this is serious, because people are sad. She didn't really know. And at the same time, she was, like, playing with Tonka, the dog at the time, and, and she was just like, and you know, they carried it out and they placed it. And it was just, it was a very, it was a very positive... I, I mean, I often, very often, I think about that tree. Very often I think about... Trying, you know, going on that little walk near to the cottage and, and finding it. I really do. I don't. Do you not? No. Because I feel sort of numb. I think I went to a numb place with that loss and I kept myself numb and I'm still numb. Mm. I mean, if I'm really honest, and I've never said this to you before, throughout that whole burial and everything, and I've always said, oh, it was so lovely and it was so meaningful and it was so cathartic... I wasn't feeling anything. Right. But that's not from a place that I wasn't feeling anything. That's from a very no, deep, I, like, grief place where I, I just see. buried it, buried the feelings very, very... I mean, if you... if you rem, I don't know if you remember, but after we had that miscarriage, I came down and cooked a full roast dinner for everybody. And you were like, Natty, can't you just yeah, slow down? And I just... I was, like, almost manic. Well, I was I cooking, I, I cooked this big meal. Let alone and I invited everyone round, mm. and I just had a ma major I, miscarriage. I personally really resented you for that, because I was like, God, we're trying to deal with something so private, and now your entire family are in it. But I think it was because I didn't want to deal with it. No, I no, think it I was know. because it was too if, horrific yeah, to no, me. I get that. I also get... I understand why the, the ceremony, in a sense, would have been... It was neat stage management 
for those of us it hadn't happened to. I mean, you know, there's, you can't, it's like I always find when people talk about abortion and pregnancy and everything, it happens to the woman, it happens to the woman's body. However much men are involved, it, it's fundamentally a female decision. So that experience was your experience. So you not connecting with that ceremony, I totally get. It, it really worked for me, it really mm. helped me. Mm. I think it really helped Izzy. Yeah. And I think Maddie was I'm too Maddie. young to know, but I think she still, she knows the story of it. And we have some photographs of the tree and she sort of says, oh, do you remember? And she always talks to Kiki about mm. it. Well, because we definitely felt that it was Kiki. Kiki was knocking on the door. She knocked three times and the third time she arrived. Mm. Well, and then to the last pregnancy, when I had been told that I had a 99% chance of oh having a miscarriage, which I mentioned I earlier. I remember looking at the statistics on the paper going, this ain't looking good. It's not going to happen. So then when we got pregnant, I was just waiting to have a miscarriage. I wasn't mm. waiting to have a baby in an almost numb sort of, with this little bit of hope. Well, actually more than a little bit of hope. I really hoped I was yeah. going to have it. But I was expecting in the back of my mind that I was going to have a miscarriage. Had the very, very strong headaches again, terrible headaches. Um, and then s- suddenly my headaches stopped, bang, stopped. And we were near Christmas. And I didn't want to tell anyone that I thought I'd, I didn't tell you, I didn't tell anyone, but I was a hundred percent convinced I'd had a miscarriage and I was just waiting to bleed or waiting to. The worst thing was I kept drinking Bailey's because I thought I'd had a miscarriage. Oh my God. Yeah. She's really so, obsessed with Bailey's as well. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so then we went off to Christmas and we went back to the same guy and they did a scan. Do you remember? Mm. And I said, I've had a miscarriage, but I haven't, I haven't had it yet. And put the scan, oh my God, oh my God. And he went, what do you mean you've had a miscarriage? There's a baby here, really strong heartbeat. And I went, I no, no. vividly. I said, no, there isn't. No, I've had a miscarriage. He said, there's a really, he said, not only have you not had a miscarriage, this is a really good for size baby. You're not going to have a miscarriage. And it's a really strong heartbeat. And I went, no, no. Can you just check again? Can you check your machine? Because I've had a miscarriage. <laughs> I was so convinced. Do you remember when we walked down those steps into Harley Street? It was a sunny Fair day. And, and I said, well, what do you think all that meant? And you went, that you're going to have baby. a baby. I'm not. I've had a miscarriage. I said, baby, haven't. I could not believe it. Mm. I could not believe it. I just couldn't. I was 41. Well, how old's Kiki now? She's 10. 10. Yeah. I'm 53. So how old was I? 42. Yeah. I was 42. Being told I couldn't have a baby, being told a 99% chance of having a miscarriage, went back to that same damn doctor, and the heartbeat was so good. Remarkable. And then do you remember, and then when we had Kiki, um, we didn't have a midwife here, did we? Until like the last hour, we just did it together, us, other no, two no. of us, yeah, and with yeah. our friend Rachel, yeah. and our blessed, blessed friend Rachel, and she came, and I'll never forget. We've got the photo. We should put the photo up. You know that photo when you went, she's here, and no, your yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. Because even then, we didn't believe she was no, there for the no. first week. I still was going, but I've had a miscarriage. I've had a miscarriage in my head. I was still saying I've had a miscarriage. I've always said to, I was saying it to Kiki the other day, that the, the word miscarriage, really they meant missed carriage. You missed your carriage twice Aww. and you arrived a third time. She went like that. What did it mean? 
you know what, though, Mark? I'm really mindful as we're saying this. There'll be people listening to this that won't have had a baby at the end. No, no. I almost feel guilty about that. But you can't have survivor's guilt for yourself. No, you know, but I, I just mean, thinking... It's not to say that we are blessed to have the two girls that we have, and obviously the four girls that I've got. Blessed. You need a hug, and you won't let me hug you on camera, so I think you should stop. Me. Can I give you a hug? <laughs> if you've enjoyed this, we'd love it if you left an honest review and rating, and uh, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode.